Welcome back to the B2B Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. On this bonus episode, you'll hear my conversation with Dominic Rinaldi, the host of the M&A Unplugged Podcast. It was my second time chatting with Dominic on their show, and it was an honor to be invited back. Really enjoyed the conversation. And in this episode, I share my strategy to help B2B companies, specifically startups, uh, break through the growth barriers and drive scalable growth on the request to get to 10 million in revenue. It was a great conversation. Dominic's podcast is phenomenal. So I was super excited to be back. You can also check out episode 94 on their podcast page as well. Enjoy. Welcome to the MA Unplugged Podcast. Our mission is to help you be better prepared for your business acquisition or sale. Being prepared will ensure you maximize returns and minimize risks. Every week, we will deliver you actionable content about the process of buying and selling a business. This is M&A Unplugged with your host, Dominic Rinaldi. Welcome back to M&A Unplugged. I'm your host, Dominic Rinaldi. Did you know that 90% of all businesses never exceed $1 million in sales? I was shocked to hear this statistic from my returning guest, Brett Trainer today. Brett is an expert at helping companies that have plateaued break through that barrier and achieve substantial growth. He's done this countless times for himself, having helped two companies. One, he grew from $200,000 in revenues to over $14 million in just two and a half years. And the other, he helped grow from $6.5 million to over 11 million in four years. Now he focuses on helping entrepreneurs break through their revenue plateau to achieve real growth and market dominance. Today, we discuss his template for analyzing a company's growth barriers, strategies for growth, and how to implement those strategies without making bad investments that won't provide a return. So whether you are an existing owner of a business or you are contemplating your own business acquisition and want to grow it, you won't want to miss Brett's advice. In addition, he has a free growth readiness assessment that you can obtain on his website. Please refer to our show notes for all of this information. Before we get into this episode, however, we have created a best practices and checklist for how to conduct diligence. This is a free resource available on either of our websites, sunacquisitions.com or k2advisor.com. K, the number two, A-D-V-I-S-E-R.com. Take a minute to download this invaluable resource. It's a great starting point for you and your advisors when contemplating an acquisition. Thank you for being here, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hey, Brett, welcome back to M&A Unplugged. Hi, Dominic. It's great to be back. Yeah, so nice to see you again. Uh, your first episode that you did with us did, did fabulous. And I'm excited to talk to you today about this topic of growth and how companies can grow. And I know you're an expert at it, having, uh, I believe, helped two companies specifically have dramatic growth. I think you took one from 200000 in revenues uh, to over $14.5 million. And another one from six and a half to 14 and a half, uh, which is awesome. I mean, that's tremendous growth. And so you've seen it, you've lived it, you know what the templates are. We're going to walk through, you know, the methodology that you use today. But maybe what a lot of people don't understand 
is that less than uh, 10% of all businesses get over a million dollars in revenue. And so there's a plateau that so many businesses hit. And whether you own a business and you're looking to scale it, or you've just bought a business and you want to grow it, this episode, I think, is going to really help you think about how you should attack growth uh, when, you, when you're looking to grow your existing business or you've acquired a new one. So, Brett, excited to dive into this topic with you. I'm super thrilled to be back. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. So anytime we can get on and talk about growth and business, I'm excited. And yeah, you mentioned that STAD. And that was one of the things that kind of drove me when I moved back from management consulting into basically the startup space three years ago was, you know, 10% reach a million in revenue and less than 1% actually get to 10 million in revenue. Wow. And, you know, to me, you, you throw out all the you know, maybe the solo businesses or side hustles, but it's still a really large number that don't get there. And you've been around this long enough to know there's, it's probably not an idea issue. It's probably more of an execution issue. So I kind of set off on that path of, all right, how do we solve the problem for the folks that do have a, you know, a good business, right? Proof of concept beyond that, they've got some customers, it sells, the customers like the product but they haven't been able to get past, you know, when I originally dug into the million dollar market, it seems kind of arbitrary. What is it about a million? But through the podcast and interviewing a bunch of founders, what I found was almost to a person, to a company, that threshold was their network, right? So they started a business. If you have a co-founder, co-owners, they're successful in selling into their network, right? People who know them, know what problem they have. But once they try to get break beyond that into new, either new markets or folks that don't know them is where they, they plateau. And unfortunately, if they don't figure it out, they end up burning out, running out of money and never get to that next level. Or on the flip side, you know, it took them 12 to 18 months to try to figure out how to, how to grow. So yeah, so the last couple of years, I've been completely focused on how do we help those companies that want to get there solve this problem. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm excited to dive into your methodology. But before we do that, why are you so convinced that this methodology will work for any company once applied to it? Yeah, I think part of it is experience, right? <laughs> yeah, I've learned over the years and it probably in the bio 30 plus years doing this and, and the B2B space has really changed, right? We used to use brute force cold calling. I mean, I ran a team of 120 outbound cold callers that did wow. nothing but that was 15 years ago, right? <laughs> the digital world has kind of changed that. And what I've found is coming from a sales and moving into more of the marketing and demand gen, you know, how to reach people has, you know, fundamentally changed. And the pandemic is basically stopped that transition, said there is a new way that we're doing this. And maybe just a, a quick step back that's part of that, and maybe we'll, we'll probably get into it, is, you know, a lot of business owners don't realize or they don't pay attention or don't have a strategy for the, the three, what I would call three different revenue levers, right? There's, you know, acquisition, which is your new logos, new business. And, let, and let's be clear, you're now stepping into the methodology, right? I mean, this is the high level of your methodology, right? Exactly. So and three, I think, so there's three levers that you can look at when it comes to growth. Exactly. Thank awesome. you for for sending me back. But yeah, so, you know, it sounds super simple. A-R-E, acquisition, retention, and expansion. Mm -hmm. And what I found historically is most companies will have a strategy for one, maybe, 
probably not two and definitely not three. Uh-huh. And when you think about it, you know, acquisition is a starting to get is new business, new logos. People haven't done with business with you. Expansion is how do you get more money and how do you expand that relationship from your current customers? And then retention is, man, how do we keep them? <laughs> right. You know, one of the, the age old problems is, you know, the boat, right? You're going after new business, new business. You're working really hard, twice as hard, but yet you're churning customers at 50%. So not only do you have to backfill the customers you're losing, then you have to sell more above that. So I found this, I mean, it's the acronym simple, but it's much harder to execute. But I think when you break it in, it's easier than to focus strategies, tactics around each of those areas. Uh, that's awesome. I think that's great. Acquisition, retention, and expansion. So you first meet a client. What's your discovery look like? How do you approach a client to find out, you know, where is the plateau? Why is it there and what needs to be done? What's, what's your process when you first meet a client? Yeah, I think the first one is what is your goal, right? Because this is really focused on people that are trying to grow and you don't have to. You can build a nice business with revenues and you just want to maintain what you have. It's perfect. But if their objective is to grow the business, the first thing I want to do is break down those revenue numbers. And can you break down those revenue numbers? <laughs> You'd be surprised that and maybe you wouldn't be the, the number of folks that don't understand where those revenues are coming from by channel, right? If you will call them channels. And it's really hard to kind of figure out where your biggest opportunity is until you can break down those numbers. And just historically speaking, I'd say 90% of them, you know, that acquisition portion is less than, you know, probably 5%, less than 3% of where their revenues are coming from. So that tells me usually that there's a, a pretty good opportunity from a growth side if they're, they're stuck with the acquisition. Got it. Got it. So you're, when you're first meeting somebody, you're assessing all three of these components and trying to break down their revenue. I would imagine that's a problem. I haven't looked at the financials for probably tens of thousands of companies myself. I know that a lot of those financials don't tell the story. Uh, so what, how, do you dig, how do you dig into that and really figure it out? Because I find the reporting to be a real challenge. A lot, and a lot of owners don't know exactly the percentages of where their business is coming from. Yeah. And, and a lot of the time it's going to be a manual work. So they're not set up in the systems that way. To your point, the reporting is not as sophisticated, especially either startup or more of a mature business. They just didn't set it up that way. So it's fundamentally going and pulling the customer list yeah. and working backwards, right? How long have we been doing business with this customer and just doing a, at least a high level segmentation to get an understanding where they are. Most of the time, the owner is not uh, as accurate as they think they are from where the revenue is coming from. So that's usually the first, and you can pull it if, again, if it's 10,000 customers, it's going to take you a little bit longer, right? But some easy math, you can, you know, can figure out what our retention numbers are. And, um, you know, if, isn't as long as you're pulling those numbers, the other thing I like to look at is the lifetime value of the customers, just so you're not repeating work, right? So if you're starting to say, all right, what's my acquisition strategy without going too far, at least you have an understanding of how much the value of those customers are. So again, I believe in not doing work for the sake of work, but right. starting with that customer segmentation is, is priority number one. Got it. So once you're past the, uh, you know, discovery phase with a client and you figure out, you know, what they have and what they've been doing, what the historical, uh, you know, performance has been, how do you then, 
take the next step of analyzing where the true opportunities are and the cost of each of those opportunities, right? Because, you know, there's, there may be opportunity, but the cost may outweigh what the opportunity is. So what's that next step look like? Yeah, I think there, there's kind of two pieces to that. One is let's validate the market, right? Are you, have, if you own 80% of the market and there's nowhere to really go, you, you're going to spend a lot of money to incremental growth if you get that. So assuming for our sake today that there is market opportunity and there's you know, competitors that you can go take that space is let's one, look at it from an acquisition. But usually the first thing I like to do is let's make sure that we've got a plan and a process around protecting what you have today, right? Mm. So what is your post-sale model? If it's an account management, is it, hey, the only time your folks are talking to customers is when their contract's up or a renewal. Let's talk about how do we put at least some baseline tactics around to protect the revenue base that we have. And then two, honestly, it's around creating... um, consistency and alignment around your messaging, which may not seem intuitive, but it'll kind of get the, when you're looking for new business, like I said, I kind of referred to in one of those clients is it was pure cold calling doesn't work. And the way you're looking at new clients today is you're going to have to reach them digitally more times than not. And not only digitally, you can't sell them the first time you contact them. It's really about, Hey, I understand the problem you have. Here's some value right? Here's the problems that we're seeing. Here's how to solve it. And and the analogy I'll use with that, and I'll stop talking for a second is, you know, the hockey analogy, right? So if the hockey player is always chasing the puck, they never get there. They're always trying to catch up. You're trying to get to where the the puck's going to be. And that's what you want to do with your customers. You want to potential customers. You want to be there when they're ready to buy. And you can't go from, I don't know you to, you know, buy my $10,000 or $20,000 product within, you know, a two minute piece of that. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. So I want to go back to something you said, which was analyze the market. When you're doing that with a client, are you analyzing uh, all three of the growth aspects? So the acquisition, the retention, uh, and the expansion? Are you, are you looking at all three of those? And, and how do you approach analyzing the market? Yeah, I think the first thing, and, and you'll see a theme coming from me, is this customer, right? Yeah. Let's get in and talk to some customers. Find out why they're really buying from you, why they're doing it. I also find a lot of value in interviewing or talking to prospects that didn't buy from you or why they left. Mm-hmm. So it really starts to paint the picture of why they may have bought from you 10 years ago, why you started the business may not be as relevant today or they're doing it for a different reason. And there's value, one, to better serve the customers that you have today and understand, you know, where their pain points are, why they're still with you. But two, taking that information as you start to build a strategy for acquisition, it's going to be around those pain points. Yeah. And, you know, one thing, Dominic, you've got to know each other a little bit. I, I like to break it into simple, <laughs> right? That if you're a business, you know, I really want to understand what problem you're solving for the customer, how you solve it how you solve it differently than your competition or do nothing. And then do you have those proof points around that? Again, sounds super simple, but being able to pull that actually from customers feedback and then start to build your strategy is so much more efficient and so much more valuable than this is why I think that our customers are buying. So, and we all fall into it. Yeah. You know, we do. I mean, I, I look, I'm even guilty of it myself where I guess at what I think the clients want, you know, I think, you know, sometimes we fall into the trap of, oh, I do this every day and I know better, but you know, 
what problem are you solving and not what problem do you think you're solving, but what problem does the customer, you know, want you to solve? And you can only do that by talking to clients, right? Or prospective clients or clients that you've lost. So uh, I wonder how many, I wonder if there's any information out there about how many people actually conduct that kind of research on a regular, on a regular basis. It's I imagine small. not many. No, yeah. it's really, really small because I do some work with a couple market research firms. Yeah. And it's rare they get into that type of, maybe they'll, a customer will send an NPS survey out, net promoter score, or they do some interviews. Right. But rarely, rarely, rarely is it a formal program or a formal project to go get this information. Is there a way for companies to do that uh, inexpensively where they can go out and talk to clients, prospective clients and ones that they've lost without, you know, and without it being a 10, 20, $30,000 project? Oh, easily. Yeah, there's definitely just the key to it is setting up the program. What are the questions that you want to have answered? Right. And what I found is clients and prospects are usually more than happy to chat with you, especially when it's not a biased discussion. What I mean by that, you don't want your head of marketing <laughs> yeah. necessarily to be the one to interview, you know, the clients and the, the win-loss folks. And you can use a third party, you know, part-time contractor if you want. That and would they be looking for a market researcher? Is that what, is that the yeah. resource that people are looking for? Okay. And I've always found that somebody outside the company asking those questions is better than somebody inside the company. Clients are just, you know, more transparent when they're talking to a third party. Exactly. And I think you'd be surprised at the, because I discovered this maybe four or five years ago, we partnered with somebody to come in and this was at the time, probably an $8 million business, right? So we thought we had a pretty good idea of why they were buying, why they weren't buying. One, we were surprised. And then two, the other unintended benefit for us was their experience as they went through the process. And the number one takeaway for us, we weren't a big business was I felt like I was dealing with four different companies because we were operating off of handshakes as prospects went through the buying journey. So every time they handed it off and we weren't big enough to provide that type of experience. I know it's a little off topic, but if you're going to have somebody ask the questions, ask about the experience as well, because I think you'd be surprised at how inefficient you may be or how frustrated your customers may be going through that, that buying process. Yeah, I think this is a really good point, especially for people who have just acquired a new business. Uh, they come in, you know, guns blazing, and, and they have all these great ideas. But I think taking a step back and doing a little market research, unless they've done it during the diligence phase, which is possible, I really think this makes a lot of sense for people to do before they just blast off and start spending money on things that, you know, may not prove uh, to have a, a you know good enough return. Yeah, no, I think you're hundred percent right, and it you're going to get your return back on that investment with the market and customer research every single time. I've yet to see a company that did it and did it right. I mean, yeah. again, it's not rocket science, but it's having a, a process around it. Yeah. You, the learnings there are invaluable. Yeah, you also mentioned something in that uh, in that string of thoughts around the net promoter score, which um, a lot of people are not familiar with, but it's, it's a very simple way to measure what your clients think about you. And I, do you know that I can't remember the question off the top of my head. It's something like, would, would you, would you refer us to how likely are you to refer us? Uh, yeah. Right. And there's slight very, yeah. It's like on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to recommend us or recommend right. me for, you know, right. to other folks and, 
It's and you tabulate and you tabulate those and you collect those and anything over 70 or 80% is a great score and anything under that you need to be, you know, you might have issues in your client base. It's one question and it's a simple way to gather feedback from your clients. Yeah. And, and definitely use it as a, a leading indicator, right? Because yes. you may not see the churn rate increasing, but also if your net promoter score dips a little bit, that's usually a good indicator. You're going to see some revenue start to fall off. Yeah. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Okay. So, so Brett, we, we've done the discovery. We, we know what the mix of, you know, acquisition and retention and expansion opportunities are. You've done some market analysis. I was lucky enough to have someone who mentored me early in my career around not, you know, writing big checks until you have some proof of concept. So do you follow suit with that? I mean, what's the proper way now that you've gathered this information before you start spending lots of money, you know, what's, what's the next step to, to test whether or not, you know, you're going to get the returns. Yeah, it's a great question. Yes, I 100% subscribe to that school of thought of, you know, test, you know, test, 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 see where the ROI is going to come from. And, you know, maybe one step slightly before that, that I like is to make sure that your messaging is aligned with the the target market that you're going after. Mm. And again, if we use the problem that you're solving, and if the problem that you're solving, say for, you know, if you're selling into attorneys, and it's the same problem you're solving for landscapers is the same problem you're solving for plumbers. You can't have the same messaging going into each of those. It, I mean, it sounds simple and you are solving something, but if you don't speak the language of those prospects, especially if you're acquiring a business and this is a new industry you're selling into really understand that language because there is no quicker way to disconnect a prospect than not be able to understand or speak, you know, the, Call it, not slang isn't the right word, but yeah. there is some industry jargon. And, and yeah, they, yeah, right. Exactly. Right. And so under really, really understand that, that, that problem in that industry and, you know, the first step, which, you know, two years ago, I would have said this step would have been, you know, uh, nice to have. Now it's a need to have is your content and content marketing. Yeah. And it's really about not your, your sales sheet, not your features and benefits, but value that you can provide to your target customers. And I tell founders that just started a company that are selling themselves, you've got to have a couple of these pieces of information of education and then also the, the awareness piece of it, right? You're trying to create awareness back to that point of, hey, be there when they're ready that you have to be able to provide some sort of value, every contact, whether it's digitally, in person, face-to-face. If you're not, then, you know, you're going to really run the risk of not being able to do business with that, that person. And, you know, one, one area that I probably should have mentioned that, you know, I'm surprised I didn't see this stat, you know, a while ago, but, you know, less than 3% of your target market, your target prospect base is in active buying mode, 3%. Wow. (laughs) So, If you're thinking, hey, I'll just cold call or reach out and connect with folks, you know, that's like finding a needle in a haystack to find that right person that's right to buy. You may get lucky and there's a lot of bigger companies that can apply, you know, deploy 50 people making cold calls and find that that 3%. But for most of us, you know, it's really reaching and connecting with those prospects to say, hey, I'm here when you need it. If you have any questions, give us a call. It's a longer game, but, you know, with SEO and you know, we won't go down the whole digital marketing channel, but it's, it's the cost of doing business these days because if customers can't find you, they're not going to do business with you. Yeah. yeah. 
it really, uh, it's about nurturing, right? Uh, and, and thankfully, there are a lot of software uh, programs, CRM systems and things like that, that enable you to nurture, you know, your prospects and your clients. Uh, you just have to deliver good, meaningful content. So you're top of mind when that 3% is ready to do something, right? Exactly. Exactly yeah. right. So, um, so let's go back to testing. What's your methodology for, for testing? How, when you work with clients, you know, is there a, you know, a formula for testing so you're not spending tens of thousands of dollars and, and not know that you're going to get the return? Yeah, I mean, I hate to see it. It depends. But, you know, part of it is what industry you're in and how you're going to reach those customers. But you definitely want to set aside a, a budget of, and, and it's really two pieces. We've got the content piece and you've got the organic that's going to create the brand and the awareness. You, yeah. You're going to have to spend that regardless. Yeah. Then the bigger question, let's assume we've done that, is now how do we start to connect with with these other folks? And I think one, you know, digitally you've got, I think Facebook ads and Google search, you know, those are really transaction based platforms for tools. I know we're getting a little specific, but that's when a buyer has a specific problem. They searched, you know, how do I do X, Y, and Z? You pay for that, you get those leads. But where it really becomes more important is again, connecting with like LinkedIn. If you're in the B2B space, LinkedIn has become a really powerful tool for, connecting with your prospects. And again, I'll go back. You can't treat it as a transaction, but Hey, I just got connected with a hundred of my ideal prospects. And here's a white paper on the, our research into the industry. I'm making it up, but all of a sudden you created awareness and now they can start to to drip. Then I think you start to look at at channels of where that acquisition is going to come from. And I think two underappreciated one, you, I know you're behind one is, is acquisition, right? We yep. kind of assume it. And then two is partnerships, right? I used to growing up in this space say, man, it's just expensive channel partners aren't going to sell the way we're supposed to, but guess what? If you're looking for a quick hit of growth yeah. and there's a complimentary company or service in the market that has customers that you will know if they are having this problem, it may make sense. Again, it comes back to understanding the cost of acquisition and those types of things. But right, right. I think the sooner you can develop what that a baseline of ac- cost of acquisition, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to vary. So um, I know it may not be as concrete for you as you'd like, but that goes back to the test. We got to see where we're getting responses from and, you know, double yeah. down in those areas that, that are paying off. Yeah, yeah. Any do's and don'ts when you're implementing uh, growth strategies? Any any pitfalls that people can avoid um, when they're doing this? Again, I, I'm I'm very sensitive to people spending money, lots of it, and and you know not having some litmus test or ROI model to know that you could you should you know keep the checkbook open. Yeah, I think there's two big pieces of it. One. I see almost every company make is that they're going to spend on the acquisition piece, right? So we're going to go reach new targets. We've got people coming through the funnel, but they spent zero time thinking of how they're going to actually manage those leads that come in through the process, right? So have a plat. So if we're spending money with LinkedIn, whatever it is, I've got 50 leads that are coming in and I've got one person that works part-time that's responsible for all the lead qualification. You're going to lose 80% of those folks because you didn't respond timely. So it's really about having that lead qualification process as it comes in. 
And then two along those kind of same areas is, you know, test and measure, right? We can talk about it is, is say, how did we do on this campaign at a campaign level? There's a cost to everything you do, but measure it. So, you know, exactly what you were spending, what you weren't spending, which, you know, kind of ties back to our early point of, you know, what's the lifetime value of those customers. So you can start to see, man, if it's costing me $52 to get a new customer, but I'm only getting, you know, 2000 lifetime value, man, I better make sure I'm, I'm keeping those customers. So, but, and, but the number one advice I give to anybody is have a process for the folks that want to do business with you and make that process as seamless as possible. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great point. Mapping that out, having all the systems in place, people's roles, what you're going to do and be timely about it. You spend all that money to generate a lead. Last thing you want to do is, you know, have it go unattended to. Exactly. Exactly. You spent the time, the money. And, you know, if you're talking to 3% and one of the 3% actually raised their hand, make sure you take advantage of it. Yeah, without a doubt. So, Brett, I know that you have created a growth readiness uh, assessment. Can you talk a little bit about that? And, you know, how, how long does it take? And, you know, what, what does it measure at the end of the day? Yeah, it's, it's 22 questions. Now, depending on airing, it may go from 20 to 25, but it's really where are you in your growth journey and how committed to you, to that journey are you, right? I've got folks that have one customer and, you know, they want to go to 10 million. And like, there's some steps that you need to take before you get to that place. And it's really around the infrastructure, um, their goals. Do you have the right metrics in place? And, you know, one of the things that I'm not a fan of is a hack, you know, hacks to growth, right? Find these growth hacks and those just don't work. You may get some short-term lift, but how do you find out? So the, the, the readiness is really around how ready are you from a organizational, from a founder, from an owner standpoint to make the commitment to growing your business. And just really, it's going to score it on where you're ready, where you're not. And, you know, basically it's going to come back with some recommendations. Here's the couple, two or three things to focus on first. And what it's trying to do is provide value that anybody's thinking about going down that road. Here's the things we've learned in the past. Here's your quick hits, quick wins, and then focus on these things. And it'll give you, you know, the infrastructure, at least a plan to be able to to scale your business. Uh, It sounds like a great tool. Tremendous tool. We've done the same thing for people who are looking to buy a business or people who want to exit, whether it's today or 20 years from now, we've created these assessment tools so that people can, you know, in less than 10 minutes, understand how ready they really are to buy or sell a business. And I think that's invaluable. That knowledge uh, is real power. And why not take a few minutes to, to do that? Yeah. And, you know, and one of the things, and we've talked about this a little bit before is, you know, in my, my older days, it would have been, I can't give away all the good stuff, right? But what I found is, man, if I share it up front, right? Hey, here's all the things that we'd focus on. If you want to go do this yourself, you know, here's your plan to go do it. You know, I'm not a do it yourself or I like to bring in people to help and, you know, kind of play my strengths. And and that's been helpful. And I think you, again, with you, with the the assessment checklist is the same thing, right? It's just the more information you have, the better. And if you want to go do it, you know, good luck to you. (laughs) But if not, so. No doubt. No doubt. You know, the thing that strikes me in this discussion is that 90% 90% of all small businesses never get above a million dollars. And I know we're lumping into that solopreneurs and side hustles and all that sort of stuff, but still an enormous number of businesses that never get above a million dollars. And it seems to me that uh, they plateau and they don't know why they plateau. And you can, you can shed some light on that for sure. 
Yeah. And again, I think the number one reason is they they get bad advice in a lot of times, right? You know, depending on who started the company, if you were more of a technical expert or a, you know, engineer, maybe not have the sales and marketing, you know, the, the number one thing I heard from folks, well, we're ready to scale. I'm going to go hire some salespeople. Maybe, maybe not, but hopefully coming out of our conversation today that there's other things that you need to think about then having the salesperson help facilitate through that process. Yeah. Because again, if you're going after that 3%, man, I'd have really good customer success people to helping your customers get the most out of your product and then really tight on your strategy to go after that, that 3% of the market. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Brett, great information. If folks wanted to get in touch with you, how could they reach you? Yeah, super easy. Uh, LinkedIn is one channel um, or my website. It's just brettrainer.com, triple T in there. So B-R-E-T-T-T-R-A-I-N-O-R. Uh, yeah, come drop me a note. I'm happy to chat with you know just about anybody when they reach out and answer any questions and you know talk about your growth and your growth strategies. Well, I know you're doing some great stuff. We didn't even get into it today, maybe on another segment. I know you're even uh, looking at doing some investments in certain businesses. And so maybe we'll have you back and talk about that in another segment. But always a pleasure to visit with you. I know you're, you know, you're really doing some awesome stuff. And thanks for being here. Oh, thanks, Dominic. Always my pleasure. Look forward to it. And, uh, you know, like I said, a huge fan of your podcast. So anytime I can come on and be a part of it, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure for me. Thank you so much. All right, Brad, have a great day. Thanks. Have a great Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All of today's information will be available in the show notes. If you enjoy our content, please remember to subscribe and review our podcast. I look forward to seeing you again on the next episode of the M&A Unplugged podcast. And until then, please remember that scaling, acquiring, or selling a business takes time, preparation, and the proper knowledge. Thank you for joining us today on M&A Unplugged. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and recommend it wherever you get your podcasts. If you want more great information on how to scale, acquire, or sell a business, please visit our website at sunacquisitions.com.